Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. You may have heard specifically if you listened to our earlier episode today, the Knicks are dead. The season's still alive. How can they keep it that way? We're about to tell you on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day, because that makes you an everydayer, that makes you our best friends here at Locked On Knicks. If you want to ensure that you never miss an episode, remember to subscribe on YouTube and hit that notifications bell and to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. But who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland What a Great Website, the best Knicks website in the whole wide world. You can check them out at the Strick.land on all forms of social media. And uh, we are, no matter how well it's going, Alex, no matter uh, if that was that was maybe one of the better better basketball wins I've, I've enjoyed in my life, um, we are still Knicks fans. We are still masochists. So let's start it here. Uh, what could have gone wrong that would have ended the Knicks season in Game 5? And how can they ensure that it doesn't end their season in game six? Yeah, I think I think the main thing, and I mean, we sort of touched on this towards the end of our first episode today, but Julius Randle's defense in the first half, I think the Knicks got bailed out quite a bit by just Kevin Love missing shots. Um, I think there's a world where, thanks to Kevin Love being so open, and I mean, I say there's a world where, but like, Literally, we've seen that world like game game one or game three or game four. Like, take your pick. If you leave Kevin Love open, there's a very good chance he can splash like four threes on your head. Um, and he was given plenty of opportunities and yet went 0 for 7 in this game. Uh, I haven't gone back and looked to see how many of those seven were taken in the first half. But I, I would fathom a guess he took about four relatively wide open threes, maybe with a very late contest from Julius Randle in the first half. And the Knicks did not get burned for those. And that was, that was helpful because they could have been in more of a hole after the first quarter had that happened, or even in the second quarter, once Randle was reinserted back into the game. So, I mean, this sort of just piggybacks on what we said about Randle at the end of last uh, at the end of our segment about him in the last episode, but basically second half Randall has to show up in game six and not, not first half Randall at all, because I, in the home arena with the fans cheering him and everything else, like Kevin Love probably won't go for seven in the next game. And like, you got to stick to him harder from minute one. If you're Julius Randall in game six. Yeah, I think, and, and like we've, we've talked about game plan discipline all series and, and it, it's it's hard, right? Like the it is a not only a physical strain like no other, it is a mental strain like no other. But it, it's not it, it is Julius Randle, but it's not just Julius Randle. 
Jalen Brunson, um, maybe best game for a Nick that I've ever watched live. So I'm, I'm going to give him a pass on it, but he's also someone who has to be like a Simon sound. And, and part of it is not his fault. Like Tibbs, at least at the beginning of this game, insisted on starting him on Max Struess. That's been a bad matchup all series long because Struess can just shoot over him at six foot seven. And, um, Jalen Brunson, like we'll give up some threes where he plays perfect defense and it won't matter, but he's also given up some threes, like where he just like lost track of Struess and like stopped paying attention. Um, gave up a wide open one to Duncan Robinson in the fourth quarter where like he doubled off of him and like the way Duncan Robinson was shooting, I think he made three threes, maybe four of his five threes in the fourth quarter. Um, you, you like it, like you have to let Miami play four on three basketball, Alex. I mean, not four on three, four on four basketball, because like he is just that kind of weapon. And you hope that you can punish him enough on the other end. And we can get into how to do that in just a sec. But I, I just wanted to note that it wasn't all him and, um, same with like Mitchell Robinson was in drop one time on Duncan Robinson. Like you got to be precise on the scout because Miami, like that is like one area where they, where they seem to beat every single team. They just don't make mistakes. The Knicks made way less than they have been, but I, I think we're both in agreement. The margins to win game six in Miami are going to be razor, razor thin. So any of that you can eliminate is, is to your benefit, I think. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, a lot of it comes back to, what we've been talking about, which is you can't use the strategy of selling out so hard on guarding Jimmy Butler anymore. Like, I think that I think we saw the heat finally fall out of rhythm in this game because they were dealing like, especially in the second half, once they were dealing with consistent, you know, coverage on every three point attempt, they didn't quite know what to do with that because they were so used to getting so many open looks just by the fact of like, oh, we'll just give it to Jimmy to start the possession. He gets doubled, and then we'll just keep swinging it around the perimeter, and eventually it'll find someone who's open because, you know, we're just attacking a scrambled defense every time we go down the floor. Like, I think the Knicks, to a degree, finally sort of realized, like, okay, we can't just leave these guys open anymore. Granted, I I do think one thing that the Knicks could benefit from is that they didn't do in this game, and, like, look, the guy played 48 minutes and was the offensive engine for the Knicks as he has been for most of the season and especially the postseason. But like Jalen Brunson, like missed defending Duncan Robinson a few times, like, you know, and it was just like a byproduct of he's probably tired and like Duncan Robinson has a length advantage over him. So you can get a shot up over him. And, you know, if Brunson is not giving like a 110% contest, like, it's not going to bother Robinson too much. So one thing I do hope that the Knicks can do better with is identifying when stuff like that is happening and then saying, okay, let's, let's, you know, right now on the floor without having to take a timeout or anything, call out a switch of like, okay, next time down the floor, RJ Barrett's going to start guarding Duncan Robinson just for a few possessions. Let's like try to cool him down. And, you know, then Brunson can hide on, whoever else, I don't know, Kyle Lowry, whoever else happens to be on the floor at that particular moment that you feel maybe it's smidge more comfortable with him guarding if for no other reason than that player is not hot right now. And, you know, again, it's not an indictment on Brunson, but like there are certain things that like he's not going to do great against any wing player because he just doesn't have the length to disrupt them. And he doesn't have the like lightning quick twitch fast hands that a guy like a like a Kyle Lowry does for example which has made him so dangerous against guys like Julius Randle during this series uh or RJ Barrett he's he's stripped RJ plenty of times too so long story short you know I think they just need to 
keep a good eye on on who's hot on the heat and be willing to switch matchups you know be willing to try to shut down whoever the hot shooter is because we see these guys on the heat like just go nuclear for like no good reason Mm -hmm. uh like duncan robinson like uh kale martin in some games like kyle lowry who sort of did in this game for like a hot second like kevin love you know like max Struess. you know they've got like all these guys that are ironically i think kevin love is usually the most consistent of any of them but you know in some cases some of those guys are kind of streaky and you got to just kind of take advantage of the fact that if you just put a little a little pressure on them to get them out of their rhythm maybe you could take it out of them you know for the rest of the game or at least for that stretch that you need to to win and you know moving brunson around moving like rj around probably not grimes because grimes is probably going to be shadowing jimmy the whole rest of the series but you know I, I think you've you've got to just try to pay better attention to who the hot shooters are. And, you know, it didn't totally burn the Knicks in this game, but it came really close to a couple of times. And and they definitely have to be careful of that. Yeah. So to me, the, the biggest issue here is, is Duncan Robinson specifically, because there's there's a reason, even though he fell out of Miami's rotation for, if I remember correctly, a decent chunk of last year and basically the first like 55 or so games of the season. Um, I, I got to double check it, but he didn't really play. But there's a reason they gave him like $20 million a year. The dude is like a capital S, like capitalize all the other letters, um, special shooter. Um, and the Knicks, I think like, like if we're talking about luck in this series, that has actually gone the Knicks way. Like he has had about 15 threes that have been like halfway down and out before this game. And like that was kind of lingering in the back of my head. Like, all right, that guy's like due for a volcanic performance. And, and he got it and it almost killed the Knicks. So two notes on that. Um, I think one thing that they can start doing and need to start doing is like where it gets really tough, right, is when he starts like running around for those dribble handoffs for Bam. Because as we've noted, Bam is very good at setting wide, moving, uh, very illegal screens that are are prone to taking out multiple Knicks at a time. Um, not 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 the big – I like him off the court, not the biggest fan of him on the court anymore. Um, but that tends to get Duncan Robinson open threes because if you're Mitchell Robinson, right, you're positioned where you don't want to give up a dunk to bam rolling to the rim. And you also um, don't want to give up the open three. And a lot of times the, the Knicks ended up conceding the open three when the heat went to that. So two solutions there. One, I would challenge bam to be more of a playmaker on the short roll. When that means Julius Randall has to have a really hard help from the corner was kind of soft doing it gave and might, might some of that might just be his ankle, but was soft doing it gave up a dunk to bam halfway through this fourth quarter on that exact play. Um, and then the other solution is targeting Duncan Robinson on offense and making the heat pay for playing him. They didn't really have to in this game because Miami was doing what I think, and correct me if I'm wrong If, if in, in the comments, if you guys have better basketball vocabulary than I do, but I think it's called a peel switch where they had uh, Caleb Barton come up and guard um, Brunson and like double when Robinson would switch onto him. But the Knicks couldn't make Miami pay because Quinn Grimes would just drift off into the opposite corner instead of just coming up to the wing. So I, I think if I'm looking at one massive adjustment I need from the Knicks heading into this game is that if Duncan Robinson's playing, you're setting that guard to guard screen. You're putting him in the action every time. And then you're having Quentin Grimes be in a place where he can be a quick outlet that Miami can't recover to. And Grimes is either splashing a three or drawing help and moving the ball along and getting someone else an open shot. Um, so that that's kind of my big thing heading into game six. Um, but let's talk about some positives and how the Knicks can repeat them, Alex. But first, uh, speaking of the biggest positive in the whole wide world, tell us about eBay Motors. Yeah, I mean, eBay Motors is my, one of my favorite sponsors that we have on the show because I have personally use them and for a championship team it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit it's the same when it comes to your vehicle every part needs to fit just right so the next time you need parts and accessories 
Head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. When you shop on eBay Motors, I bought some parts for my Toyota Prius on there. I had a hubcap go flying off while I was driving. The dealer was just like, oh, it's going to be like 120 bucks." And then instead I was like, well, uh, no, thank you. And I went to eBay Motors instead and got a way better deal. <laughs> so with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Gavin, we're back to finish talking about things that the Knicks need to look at from this game. Look, make no mistake, you know, game five was a triumph, but there's still things to learn from, whether they be good or bad. Uh, one thing that I guess was sort of a a neutral in this game, kind of, was Josh Hart. Um, I you know I'm not quite sure what to make of his performance. Like early on, dumb fouls. You know it, he got himself into foul trouble in like record time. He had three. Like I swear you blinked and he had three fouls and got himself right out of the game early, and then came back in for a second sin, got himself a fourth foul in the second half and right before that, I thought he was kind of starting to play like himself, like got a offensive rebound. That was very much like a Cavaliers series type of offensive rebound. And I thought, okay, maybe things are starting to come back together for Josh Hart and then draws, you know, gets another foul and then is back out of the game finishes. I mean, a very blah stat line, uh, quite frankly, bad, I guess uh, nine minutes of play. Shoots one of two, oh, one from three, two boards, one assist, uh, two turnovers in that time as well, and a team low minus 11. Uh, actually, one of only two uh, plus minus minuses on the team for the night, as Clyde might say. Uh, so I don't know. I, I'm on the fence about Hart. One part of me is like, maybe it's sort of a blessing in disguise that Tibbs was forced to not play him a million minutes in this game. And yet, also, I feel like if the Knicks are going to potentially win on the road in game six to force a game seven, he's going to need to come through a lot more in this next game. Yeah. I think I'll, I'll push back on that a little. Like I, I thought he had a bad game. I, I didn't, I didn't think he was good when he was on the court. He had one or two good plays, but by his standards, this was not a good performance for him. I, I put this out there on Twitter, but I, I was like suggesting a freaky Friday body swap scenario. I didn't include this, but maybe with like Frank Nilakina, because that's, that's honestly, Alex, that's what it reminded me of. Like he was, he's terrified to shoot and he was going to these incredible lengths to not have to shoot the ball, like passing up open threes, had one play where he was like halfway to the rim and tried to just like pivot in midair and throw it backwards. Had another one where he had like, it was Cody Zeller. Like it wasn't Bam out of bio. It was Cody Zeller, like basically like on his shoulders. He was going up for a layup and tried to throw like a behind the back pass to I think it was Mitchell Robinson, maybe it was Hardenstein, like under the rim. Like like he was, again, desperate, desperate measures not to shoot. Like finally had that one nice drive in, I guess, I forgot it was third or fourth quarter um, on Zeller and finished, um, like to your point, had that one good rebound. But this was, this was not the guy we've come to know and love for the New York Knicks. And I know like to some extent, like outside of game two, like this just hasn't been a series. It's been a tough matchup for him. I think losing Emmanuel quickly with the starter, I mean, with the bench and having to play with the starting lineup that's very bereft of shooting, like really, really hurt him. Um, so I, I hope he gets some minutes. Um, 
like with more shooting oriented lineups, but also more creation oriented lineups. One thing I'd like to see the Knicks go to, especially if Julius Randle has a tough start to next game is, is kind of a small ball lineup of Brunson, Grimes, RJ and Hart. Cause I think Grimes gives you enough shooting to make that somewhat palatable. And if RJ is hitting his threes again, that makes it a lot easier. And I think that'll like allow him to get out in transition because like, he needs someone to like, like obviously sometimes he gets a rebound and goes, but like against this team, He's going to need someone to help spur that break, whether it's Jalen Brunson, whether it's Quinn Grimes, like getting a steal, whether it's RJ Barrett, getting a rebound, getting an outlet, like he's going to need the right minutes with the right guys to find his confidence again. Um, but Alex, like, I, I think we can agree, like the Knicks don't win this game uh, without Quinn Grimes. I, I, I shouldn't even phrase it like that. The Knicks would not have won this game without Quinn Grimes, simply put. Um, how can he replicate his performance? And there's a question you can't really answer, but is, is he even going to be healthy for this game six? Yeah, I guess it all depends on what that injury was, right? And that's going to be the consistent theme of the next two guys we talk about is, like, how healthy are they? I mean, he finished the game out, obviously, uh, after, you know, bumping knees. It, it looked like – yeah. I mean, at first you were like, oh, my God, I don't, did he just break his patella or something? Like, it looked bad. And then in real time, you saw him kind of walk it off, like, in that sequence against Butler and then – yeah. Obviously, for the rest of the game, Alex, so- can I interrupt you real quick? I just yeah. have you seen Guardians of the Galaxy three yet? I have. Yeah. Okay. It reminded me of how, or I'm um, not Gamora, or how Nebula is like constantly yeah. like her head is bent backwards, her arm is broken, her leg flew off thirty feet away, and she's just sort of like, like jolting yeah. it all back into play. That is, <laughs> I, I saw it last night, so it's like it's very fresh on my mind. Yeah. That is exactly what I thought. I was like, all right, he, the dude just put his leg back on and then got to stop. Yeah, just snapped it back into place. Yeah. You know, got the bionics back where they needed <laughs> yeah. to be, and yeah. got shout, going. Shout out to shout out to Team Thanos, man. They do good work. Yeah, <laughs> Ebony Maw did some yeah. work on uh, some, on Quentin Grimes at one Next point. Team Doctor Ebony Maw, aka <laughs> <laughs> Squidward. Um, anyway, yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully it's just like a a bruise, you know. But mm-hmm. even a knee contusion, the technical term for that, it, like can be nasty, you know, and that's something that's going to feel a lot like Grimes going to wake up tomorrow, not feeling good probably uh, because, you know, when you get banged that hard in the knee, sometimes it could just be like a funny bone type reaction, but other times it leaves an actual bruise. And then you're like hobbled by that. Um, luckily, I think those can sort of be worked out with like compression and heat and that sort of thing. And, you know, he's got the Knicks clearly have some good trainers because they've been mending all these, nicks and bruises this whole this whole postseason and getting these guys ready to go so hopefully grimes is good but yeah i mean they they need every second of how he played like specifically just his style of defense i mean he's he plays a different style of defense than like josh hart like i think they're both good good to great defenders at their best but josh hart i feel like his best trait is like playing passing lanes and sort of like a a more wing-sized version of how like jalen brunson plays defense like I don't think he's necessarily the best guy in the world at keeping a guy in front of him one-on-one, but is good at doing all the little things and playing good team defense that kind of makes up for that. And Grimes is like, I mean, Grimes plays pretty good team defense too, but his bread and butter is that great one-on-one defense that he plays. And just being like the Darrell Revis, you know, that's just like you strand somebody on Grimes Island and, and that's that for them. And we saw that with Jimmy Butler, obviously. And I, I think they just they need to basically look, maybe you try to avoid playing Grimes 48 minutes again if you can avoid it. But I think it would be a smart strategy to mirror his minutes with Jimmy Butler's in the next game, because as I said in our first show today, like 
I think that was the key. Like, I think the fact that you can have someone 1v1 Jimmy Butler on defense makes all the difference in the world with being able to contest their shooters well enough to get them out of rhythm a little bit. Yeah, and I, I think it was – I'm with you on the defense, and I thought the team defense aspect of it was very good in that he just doesn't allow clean blow-bys or very rarely does. So even if you're not doubling him, like we, we noted this earlier – um, on the first pod, but like your center has time to recover because it's not a clean blow by like he, he just inch by him and, and, and you can anticipate it as a help defender and you can see it happening. And then, I mean, I, I thought like the defensive playmaking, like obviously we're, we're focused on that last play, but he had a play um like earlier in the fourth quarter where he stripped Butler and, and then like off of that, like what he can do from there, like get to the middle of the floor, be patient, spray it out to Julius Randle for an open three. And Alex, like, I think we saw, um, and this is kind of why I was begging for more minutes from him earlier in the season, early in the series, like just like how the NBA game has to slow down for someone as a rookie, like the playoff game has to slow down for someone as a playoff rookie. And I think in real time over the course of this game, and look, he still made some dumb mistakes like Butler that strip on him late, but overall we saw it slow down. We saw him find some confidence where he was firing threes that were contested early in the shot clock. And honestly, for the Knicks to win this game, I think it's going to be a little fluky if they, if they beat Miami at home because Miami's just been the better team this series. Like he like he or someone else is going to have to have kind of a fluky performance. It might be Obi coming off the bench and hitting a few threes. But to me, Grimes is the best candidate for it. Like he needs to have like a 15 to 17, if not more than that, like point game. And like, short. like there, there are avenues for the Knicks to win without it. But like, if I'm looking at like, all right, the Knicks won the game. What happened? I'm saying Quentin Grimes hit four threes and, 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 and had two blow buys for layups and had two blow buys and set up Mitchell Robinson for dunks. Like I, I think they just need a monster game from him. So he better be healthy. Yeah, I think so too. I think your great strategy, if the regular season was any indicator, you just have to tell Grimes all the way up until the moment of the game that RJ Barrett is not going to be able to play uh, and, yeah. and Brunson's not going to be able to play and that it's all going to be on him and they're going to need to rely on him for like a ton of offense and then he'll come through with like 35 points. I think that's that's a great strategy. That was what always worked throughout the regular season. So uh, The other guy, though, that could potentially swing things, if he's able to go, would be Emmanuel Quickly. Um I some people noted uh, like in our Strickland discord today that he was wearing a boot uh, on the sideline, which I think is probably more just a precaution than anything. Um, I guess it's it's impossible to say for sure. But I think that if IQ can come back, that could potentially be good. Uh, If for nothing else than being able to throw someone out there for 10 minutes that can give Brunson a little bit of a rest because. I don't know how Brunson would do playing two 48 minute games in a row over the course of three days. Um, Jesus. I guess we'll see how that might go, but he is a warrior. I mean, he just, he, he somehow just never gets tired. So maybe he could pull that off, but uh, I don't know what to think with IQ. I, it, it seems like the Knicks team doctors are really good at treating sprained ankles. So maybe quick is able to come back, but you know, if he's not, I think the Knicks showed in this game they can absorb it, but him coming back and even just giving them 10 minutes of what he can normally give them, even if the shot's not falling, would be really huge in this next game, I think. Yeah, and I think it's, again, like he, maybe he wouldn't have his normal burst, but like if he if he's somehow healthy, like his ability to just like find those easy buckets in transition, like 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 a hit ahead to Obi Toppin or a hit ahead to Josh Hart 
or like one or two pull-up threes. And and what he does, like we we noted it um on the DJ pod, but like as a communicator defensively, like like the heat, like even when they're not doubling Jimmy Butler, like they're gonna put you in scramble situations sometimes. And IQ is he's he's the best on this team, he's one of the best in the NBA at like at not only like finding the right guy to cover himself, but directing other guys. And we can we can finish on this, Alex. Like I, I just think the the process offensively has to be at least as good as it was in the second half. And that means, I mean, for Julius specifically, like playing unselfishly, like, like driving to score, but then if a double team's there, like passing it off and just doing things with confidence, but also with unselfishness. And I know that's vague and it's like, yeah, that's like that's just basketball in some sense. But like, I, I think it's one of those things that is, is maybe hard for me to put into words, but you know it when you see it, like in a team that like has advantage creation and then, passes the ball well off of it. The Knicks have gotten a darn good blueprint because Miami's done it fantastically all series long. They did great in the second half. They're going to have to do it in a tougher environment if they want to keep their season going. Yeah, and my last key would just be just keep making shots. I mean, I know it's just like the most obvious thing in the world, but like we've seen it in different games of the series that they have been able to generate decent looks and they were spraying the ball around and then they had to abandon that because they just couldn't make the threes and so then they you know you see the whole team kind of like what you were talking about with josh hart where he seemed really tentative like the whole team starts believing that they can't make threes and then all of a sudden it's like well now we have to drive it into the middle and then you're just you're up against the wall then because there's there's no way around it if you can't hit shots you can't win in this league and and you know they can't have another performance where they shoot like 20 percent from three and expect to win so even if 38% in this game is like their high watermark for the series or whatever, if, if you can't hit at least like 33 to 35%, you're toast. So that they're going to need to find a way to bottle that up, you know, like Michael's secret stuff in space jam and, you know, find that same energy going into this next game. So anyway, I think that's it for this, this bonus episode of locked on Knicks. So we'll have more talking about how the Knicks can, can potentially win game six. Don't worry. There'll be another episode. Uh, And then, of course, a Game 6 recap before we end the week. So keep your ears out for those. But until next time, thank you guys for listening to this second edition of Locked on Knicks. Again, if you listen to this and you didn't listen to our first one, though, check that out on your favorite podcast provider, whether it's YouTube or or favorite podcast app, whatever, because there was a part one to this where we just talked about the game itself. But until next time, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace out.